2: Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation Brought to you by the great folks over at HSBC World Rugby Sevens, Western Canada's largest sporting event. This year is the ninth time the event has visited Vancouver as part of the World Rugby Sevens series. Be sure to check them out. BC Place, February 23rd to 25th. Jam-packed, three full days of rugby and partying. Tickets on sale now at van7s.com, starting from just $40 per day. And if you want to go, we've got a four-pack of tickets for the entire weekend to give away. Text hashtag sevens, that's S-E-V-E-N-S, to 778 402-9680 402-9680 for your chance to win. We'll be giving away a four pack each week until the event. Text hashtag sevens to 778 We are coming to you from the iconic Sheraton Wall Center in beautiful downtown Vancouver. And I found out today they do weddings here. So if you want to do a wedding, be sure to call the Wall Center. Uh, yeah, 55,000 square feet. I was thinking about this. If I ever get married, right? and i want to do my wedding at the wall center theoretically we could do like a post game show cuz the studios in the same place where the wedding reception hall is i don't think your girlfriend would appreciate that post- <laughs> she'd be on the post game show she's a huge part she's a huge part of the story and we're going to talk about post game commas it's a big a uh, big topic of today's show but anyways Just a thought I had that just came to mind. So I thought I'd get it out there. But like I said, this is Canucks Conversation. My name is Dave That is Harmon Dial. The man at the controls is Grady Sass. Actually, it's our intern, Lachlan Irvin. uh, But Grady Sass is still our technical producer. Uh, Lachlan is just hitting switches for us today. Okay. Um, Where do you want to start, Harmon? Like there was a game last night. I'm really itching to talk about the perspective of post-game comments because that's a that's a big part of the story but before we get to that let's break down the game the vancouver canucks losing to the st louis blues 4-3
0: okay so i've got an idea okay i think every canuck except pia Suter should be banned from wearing those chrome helmets
2: oh my gosh those chrome helmets are disgusting by the way uh, let's start there yeah i saw it in practice love them Me the takes too. the takes from both of us oh, those look great As soon as you come out with that blue, no, it doesn't work. Doesn't work. Get, get rid of them. Get rid of them immediately. They look awful. Um, Jeff Patterson explained to us his conversation that he had with red Hamilton about why connects equipment manager, why those won't work on the road jerseys. And that's respectable. Like I understand not work, but like work in terms of logistics of getting them on the road and all that. I get that. But man, if those can't be put with the white jerseys, and I don't even I'm, I'm scared to even say that they'd look good with the white jerseys because yeah. they looked so bad last night. Never wear those again. One more time. They'll wear them. But I said it on Rinkwide last night. Those are going to go down with the Sprite can reverse retros and yeah. the seventh man banner as one of the most bizarre things that's ever happened in Vancouver Canucks history.
0: Yeah. And you think about I think my favorite shiny helmet. I don't have a lot. Uh, because they typically don't like Vegas's, for example. But mm-hmm. LA, I think, does it pretty well. And the reason I think it works is because their unis are white. And mm-hmm. again, we saw the practice shots with the Canucks white. It sharp. and it sharp. It looks sharp. But with the blue, it just looks horrible. Didn't work. Uh, as it pertains to the game itself, I think it was an interesting, weird flow to it. Tempo, momentum, because Canucks came out absolutely blazing first 11 minutes. I don't think the blues even registered one shot on goal. And then there was essentially a three minute stretch in the first period that created the two Oh deficit, where I think the difference was that the Canucks made louder, bigger mistakes mm-hmm. than the blues did when they were under siege. So in that three minute stretch, you had a JT Miller turnover down low. And then there was a coverage mistake right after that, where Heronic was already covering Robert Thomas mm-hmm. in the corner. Miller, as the centerman down low, should have gone to the slot to take away Jake Neighbors. Instead, he sort of doubled down towards Thomas. So you have two Canucks on one St. Louis Blues player in the corner, and they still can't deny the pass. And so, for instance, on the replay, it'll show that Brock Besser was a second too late, late to, yep. to get to Neighbors. That's not his guy. Yep. He's supposed to be covering the, the weak side point defenseman. He's covering for the mistake. Exactly. So two mistakes there. Then you have the Kuzmenko turnover Mm -hmm. as the last man back and all the um, sort of uh, scrambling that happened after that. Then the Juleson puck over glass penalty. Then on the PK itself, Talley Myers first fails to clear the -hmm. zone and then allows a cross scene pass. And it's two, nothing right there. That's all within like a two and a half, three minute stretch of the type of mistakes that the blues didn't have because you look at the type of look that neighbors had on that first St. Louis Blues goal, for example, when the Canucks had zone time through the first 10 minutes. 10 minutes, yep. If you remember, when the Canucks would funnel the puck into the slot, Miller, for example, made a couple passes. The Blues did a good job of, at the last second, at least getting a stick to at least partially check the player so that it wasn't a clean shot on uh, on net. So I think it was just a little three-minute lapse there that created that deficit now credit to them for coming back in that game at least getting a point out out mm-hmm. of it that's uh, massive but that's i think what dug them that early hole we're obviously gonna talk about ps Suter. ps
2: mania runs wild is the headline of this show and this podcast we're gonna talk about headlines later but um those first two st louis goals those were the ones where i looked at it and i said rick talk keeps talking about defending the guts of the ice and not allowing east-west movement the, the, those were two examples of them not doing that, doing the opposite of what Rick Tocket wants to see his team do. And then obviously you have Nikita Zadorov on the Torpchenko goal, which eventually leads to Zadorov sitting. And then today at Canucks practice, it was noted by our pal Jeff Patterson. I think it was j that tweeted it, um, that Zadorov was doing a lot of one-on-one work with Rick Tocket. And there was a lot of pointing going on and a lot of teaching going on when Nikita Zadorov, um, asked after the blown coverage last night. Uh, yes, P.S. Suter. Scores the three goals. He's up 12 goals on the season now. Uh, they're going to keep the same lines. That's the other thing we saw in practice. They're going to keep the same lineup. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev and Andrei Kuzmenko are still with Elias Peterson. This team needs to start finishing. The third period, there was three opportunities. One was Ilya Mikheyev put the puck through the crease and out the other side misses the net. You got to finish that um JT Miller with a bunch of traffic in front shovels the puck wide that one's a bit tougher to finish on I suppose but Brock Besser misses a pretty prime opportunity as well where he didn't have an open net but those are those were going in for Besser at the start of the year Um, he remains at 27 goals on the season Canucks gotta start finishing like those are three right there that would
0: have made the difference had they gone in true I think Hofer also played yep exceptional
2: the overtime save on Horonic really stands out
0: yeah I mean that third period as a whole I mean the I think it was a of chance coming um on the rush where he hit where he made the big glove stop uh I thought he was I thought he was really sharp and yes the Connects do need to finish a bit better in those situations but they've done it the entire season and you're not going to finish your chance as well over um and eight, over all 82 games, you're occasionally going to have nights like that. And for the Canucks to still come out of it with a point, given that they were entering the third period with a 2-0 deficit, that's always a really, really tough mountain to climb. I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but I would guess that probably 90 to 95% of situations where a team is winning uh, is up by two goals entering the third period, they're going to win that game. They're going to close it down. So for Suter to score the hat trick, and um, again at least help the Canucks continue accumulating points, there's um, at least something to salvage there. Someone asked me about
2: Casey Smith. We're gonna to get to anyone else first, and then Dave Hall's gonna join us later to close out the show. Someone asked about Casey Smith because I don't want to focus on Casey Smith right now. I want to get to the story of the night, and that was the overtime goal, the non-call on Elias Pettersson. And the comments afterward from Rick Tockett, which were completely fair comments and were presented as that by every media member that was in the room for that quote. I want to be careful with my words here, but let's let's go through everything that happened. We have the clip here of what Tockett said for full context. This is what Rick Tockett said post postgame. Uh, let's pull this clip up here. Tockett talking about Elias Patterson after the game
1: last night. Thought on the overtime goal, it looked like Petey may have been interfered with a little bit there <laughs> Those two those two graphs are best in the league. I, I, I gotta take a look at it, you know You know more concerned about other stuff on that goal overall and maybe this was one of them But um, did, did it look to you like maybe Petey was a little off tonight? Yeah, yeah, I, I you know, we had a, I haven't liked this game in the last three or four games. We got to get him going
3: What in particular do you think he needs
1: to do more? I think he's got to skate. He's got to start skating a little bit. I think he's, you know, I, I, I think he's good with the moves sometimes, but I think when you have speed and make those moves, that's when he's at his best. So, yeah, we got to, you know, we'll get him going. So on the same night where we see
2: what's said in LA by Todd McClellan and what's said by Drew Doughty, those comments that you just heard where Rick Tockett is answering questions, answering questions from Farhan, answering questions from PJ, very honestly, as he always does, as we as media, as fans of the team, I'm sure, appreciate. He says those comments. And today, today, um, let's actually let's start with Patterson. Let's start with Patterson because I'm building towards something here. Let's let's see Patterson's response to all this. The videos haven't come out at the time of this recording, so I apologize. We don't have the audio or the video here, but let's pull up the quote here uh from Elias Patterson. There's two here that our pal, like I said, JPAT tweeted out. Uh, Let's pull it up here, Grady. From J-PAP. Uh, This is what EP40 said. It's a professional game, and if the coach wants more of me, I'm going to try to be netter better. Excuse me. Next game. Uh, And then he continued. and He said about the non-call and OT, if the ref misses it or not, looking back on the clip, I had two turnovers to get them the puck. Whether it's a non-call or not, it's not up to me. I have to do a better job before then. Okay. Now let's go to what actually happened on that OT sequence. Elias Peterson is out for over a minute. Elias Peterson turns over the puck twice. And then he's pushed by Braden Shannon, what I thought should have been called a penalty. And I think a bigger issue, and this is one I think this is gonna be a conversation we have for a couple of days, the conversation that I'm gonna have with you tomorrow, Harbin, is probably gonna be more about how how many other sports can you look at a penalty and have a 50-50 split between fans saying that's not a penalty or that is a penalty. Not many. Not many. And I think that's a huge problem for the NHL. One we've discussed before and why we're not going to focus on that angle too much today. What we are going to focus on are the two turnovers right before the goal. And in my opinion, Pedersen going down too easily. Not because he's trying to flop. Not because he's trying to get the call. Pedersen's a smart hockey player. He knows there's pressure coming. He's, he's expecting to feel pressure. What he's expecting is to get shoved. And he's also on the on his last legs. That shift was probably too long. That's another thing that I'm sure, like I said on Rinkwide, if we could inject truth serum into Rick Tocket, I'm pretty sure Rick Tocket would have, when he says, I didn't like a couple things on that goal. I think one of the things he would have said is I didn't like how long Pedersen's shift was. I think that's one of the angles that we need to focus on. The guy is probably dead tired at that point. A gust of wind could have knocked him over. He's dead tired. And again, I'm exaggerating as I tend to do, but. He's pushed by Braden Shen. Obviously that's interference, but that shouldn't even be in the in the cards. Like you shouldn't even be in that position because Elise Peterson is supposed to be this dynamo with the puck at holding on to the puck. And he knows, he knows he made the mistakes on that play. And that's what it comes down to, in my opinion, is it should have been called a penalty. It wasn't. You can't cry over spilled milk. And Peterson needs to be better on that play. There's a lot of different angles on it.
0: Yeah. So a couple things there. Number one, I didn't like that he also took a fraction of a second to look towards yes. the ref when he yep. fell down. I think that that may have cost him the opportunity to get up faster and maybe disrupt that pass yep. to Shen. Uh, second, I like the fact that he owned up to it today. Totally, that's what you need to do as a leader, as one of the best players. is Is when you make a mistake, which all players, including star ones around the NHL, do, is own up to it. Third, that is also the interference first of all that's blatant whether you want to cr- call it a cross check interference it's a penalty but do you think that petterson's getting that call in the overtime of a playoff series
2: exactly
0: that is what i keep coming
2: back to Harmon. this team keeps looking through the lens of when it's playoffs this is how it's going to be that's
0: exactly how it's going to be there's going to be non-calls and it's good for this to happen now in the regular season, as opposed to in the playoffs, because now I bet you next time, Pedersen's going to be more cognizant in that situation of first of all not turning the puck over, but mm-hmm. also not looking towards the ref and just you don't have time focusing to look at the on the next play, yeah. right? So this happens; it's not a, a huge deal. It's a learning moment. Uh, but between the way Tockett reacted to the play, how he commented about needing a little bit more from Pedersen in that OT play in particular. I didn't have a problem at all with uh, what he said. I thought it was totally fair. And Pedersen's response today was also what I wanted to hear from him. Exactly. Like nobody is.
2: Well, I shouldn't say nobody because somebody did, but we're not sensationalizing what's happening here. He says he wants more from the player. That's totally fair. I don't think the player here is coming out and saying that's ridiculous. He's not pulling a Pierre-Luc Dubois and saying, I can't believe my coach would say a bad thing about me. That's not what we're seeing here. That's not what's happening. And that, okay. Pull up this quote from today. Just, it really bugged me. Not what talk said, the context that I'm about to provide. Let's see this quote from talk um, talking about how his comments were perceived and received last night. Perceived and received, uh, Talkit says he's surprised how his comments about Pedersen last night have been portrayed as coach blast star player said. He gave an honest answer to a couple of questions says he doesn't want to, but may have to be guarded with his answers. Now, here's the issue I have with this, Harmon. Rick Tockett has gotten so much praise for how honest he's been with the media. And there's a really good relationship between the media and the coach in this city right now. And of course, you know, when, when you're winning, that's going to naturally happen to some extent. But he's always been really honest. You ask him a question, you're going to get the answer. You're going to get the thought process. No, um you know, holding the cards close to his chest like Travis always did. And, you know, we like we like Travis too, but I'm just saying Travis was a lot more guarded in the way he answered questions. I had to look because from what I saw, there were no, like I saw Daily Hive's um, headline. I saw Passa list, I saw everybody wrote an article that had Talkett and Pedersen in the headline. Of course, that's the story. The one we went with at Canucks Army. I'll pull it up because I had a joking, I joked with Wyatt last night about the Stanchies this is my conversation with Wyatt, okay? This is my conversation with Wyatt. The Stanchies. Talk it calls out Pedersen as Canucks lose to Blues. I was joking with Wyatt. He goes, says a word. He said, that's too sensationalist. And I was joking. And I said, Talk it rips Pedersen after loss. Is EP40 headed for Chicago? I'm joking. Okay? The one we go with is the Stanchies. Talk it wants more from Pedersen after Canucks loss to Blues. Because that is what was said. That is a fair portrayal of the comments. And for the most part, that's what I saw from every other outlet. So to hear Talkett say today, he wasn't happy with how it was perceived. Hell, I saw Rob Williams on Twitter saying, you know, I think this quote looks worse in print than it did in the actual room. And if like we did, we provided the context with the full video. that's not a a coach calling out a player. It's really not. It's not. We saw the full context of Talkett's quote. That's all it was is him saying, yeah, I would like more. Also, keep in mind, he was asked about the player. He didn't come into the room and say, hold on, I, ju- before, I before I take any questions, I need to call out Elias Pedersen. That's not what happened here. So to see Talkett be upset about it, I had to go look. I had to go look, and I had to try to find where where he could get this idea that his comments were portrayed unfairly. And I'm not going to get too into it, but if you want to find out, folks, Google Pedersen it, and you will find that the only place that had a headline like that, the headline was not written by someone in the room that night. It was not written by a media member in the room. And I'll just say it. It was, it was the regional rights holder. It was the regional and national rights holder that had a headline of that. And it was just on a video. It was that um, talk. It calls out Pedersen or whatever it was. I, I need to pull it up again because I saw it was tweeted out as well. Someone else caught it. I think Blake caught it as well. Yeah. Canucks talk. It calls out Pedersen says he hasn't liked his game lately tmz reads that headline and says hang on a second we have standards here like come on now that's
0: not up to our editorial yeah,
2: exactly <laughs> tmz by the way has written about the canucks before and it's been sensationalist but i've never i yeah i i understand why rick talk is mad if you open your phone and that's the first thing you see is canucks talk it calls out petterson you
0: can call him I'd out pissed off
2: yeah i'd be pissed too so i just and and i hope all i hope is that it was pointed out to Rick that it was not anybody in that room that came up with that headline and was the one that published that because you know even even the people who work for that publication like great people like great people in that room and I'll tell you like for people that don't know how the media really works it wasn't them like it was nobody in that room that came up with that headline and threw that out there so I just wanted to get that off my chest really really bothered me when I saw that today when, because I was joking about writing a headline like that. And then and then it actually gets put out there.
0: Well, when you're a media outlet, you're a reporter, you have a responsibility to manage your relationships with players and coaches so that you're accurately portraying what they're saying, because yep. that's the only way they're going to be honest with you is if they can trust you. So yep. I'll give an example. At the end of last season, I had a tremendous interview with uh, JT Miller used it in a training camp feature where he was brutally honest about his thoughts on the state of, um, today's game and how it's evolved and how he thinks not talking about the Canucks, but league wide, but how he thinks it's, um, you know, more of, um, an ego style of game and how he thinks it's a lost art to quote unquote, uh, given F. So I'm like, this is awesome material, but I want to of course portray these comments fairly. So, the only place you found those quotes were in the middle of the article with proper context. Yep. Instead of I knew I could tweet out those quotes with a link to the yep. article, and that it would get a ton of engagement, and my my article was going to perform way better. But I'm not going to do that because it's my responsibility to portray or to portray those comments fairly, yep. and to manage relationship uh, and understand that nobody wants to end up in a situation where they where they see their name the next morning. Yep. Um, among like controversial comments so that's what I think most people in the room recognize understand and it's really frustrating when uh when an outlet doesn't do that
2: yeah it's, it's it's very frustrating and the thing is people in chat are pointing it out asking if it was someone in Toronto yeah like probably probably um and that's the thing is if that's the Leafs I really don't think that happens first of all Uh, but second of all when you don't have to answer for those comments yeah like if you or i write something like that rick talk it's going to pull us aside at practice and say hey i didn't like this like that's that's the relationship there's give and take like they are honest with us they need us to be honest in how we portray them how we portray what they say to us and like there's been times i'm not going to get into details But there's been times where a player has misspoken in an interview and they didn't say, hey, please don't run this. But I can clearly tell that given the context, they wouldn't want this run. So I'll just I'll just subtract and I'll say, "Okay, my story doesn't need this. They might get in trouble if I put this. So I'm just going to pull this out. That's that's how it works like that. That's how it works. You have a relationship where you need to be honest in your coverage of the team for not only the fans, but also these are real people that we're reporting on and they have feelings and they have real lives that go into all this. And I'm just, anyways, it just really pissed me off. And I just, all I'm saying is I hope Talk it knows it wasn't anybody in that room or hell, even in that city, this city um, that put that headline out there. So,
0: well, I hope we don't uh, get into a territory where it's like with Travis, for example, oh. the just okay would translate to, <laughs> oh he had a pretty bad game because, and travis would never say anything that plainly because he was guarded for this type of scenario scenario so literally you needed you learned to translate certain words okay if he says just okay that means he actually didn't like this guy's game
2: i'm just now i'm thinking of uh rick after seeing that calls up travis all right it's time <laughs> teach me how you because they're, they're like really good friends rick talking and travis green right yeah they're really good friends so travis i need you to tell me how you used to handle these guys because you got nothing from
0: travis like you got give nothing. me the playbook
2: of how you talked about jake every day yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing like travis was like that very guarded there's a reason a lot of media members in this city like travis because when the cameras were on he was very guarded, but when he wasn't being recorded, Travis is a different guy. Travis is a good guy. Like I, you know, I used to see Travis Green at Coquitlam Express games when his kid played for the team. And he was always very nice whenever I would bump into him. Always very nice. And hell, even back then I was, uh, you know, hardly, um, hardly, uh, <clears throat> I, I, I hardly was even in the media at that point. But anyways, um, yeah. So I just want to get that off my chest uh dave hall's gonna join us shortly but let's fit in anyone else before we get to actually no dave hall's ready dave dave's ready let's bring in dave i went overtime on this we'll do anyone else after uh i hope dave's ready i told him 230 i hope he's not running around uh can we find out if dave's ready dave can you just put in the chat if you're ready (laughs) yeah he's good okay let's bring him in (laughs) dave hall uh courtesy of our friends at four wins Brewing, family-owned and operated in Delta, home to the Four Winds Light Light Lager, a crisp, clean, and easy drinking beer, a beer for everyone, a perfect beer for before, after, or during the game. Have your words been misconstrued? Four Winds Light Lager is right there for you. Ask for Four Winds Light Lager at your local liquor store or have some delivered right to your door through the online shop at fourwindsbrewing.ca. And as always, please drink responsibly. Uh, Let's bring in Dave Hall, Dave. Hall, our prospect guy. Dave. Before we get to prospects and stuff, actually, it's okay. Do you do you want to comment on the EP forty stuff? Because I'm I'm fired up about it, man, and I'm sure you've heard some of what I've said.
3: No, I we we can move. I think I, I agree with you guys. I think it's it, it's misconstrued, and I just I, we we can move on. I, I agree with what you say.
2: All right, <laughs> I love it. Um, <clears throat> all right. I wanted to ask you about uh, Vasily Cole's and It was wondered by our colleague at Canucks Army, Stefan Roger, today if the Canucks should make an in-season call-up for their top six, rather than looking on the trademark. And obviously, Pod Colson was one example that was brought up. My first question is, how is Pod Colson doing? And my second question is, do you think there is anybody in Abbotsford that could be a legitimate top six upgrade that they could call up right now?
3: Well, I think uh, I'll I'll answer the second one first. Uh, My short answer is no i think there's two different questions here right like the one you're asking is top six and there's you know can anyone come up and play in the nhl and the answer to that is yes but in the top six that's just a lot to ask for many of these guys and i just don't think i've seen anything from any of them that suggests that they could just hop in right now and you know in a pretty critical time of the season to to play top six but as for pod colson he's you know the first half of the season it was going pretty well you know he in between October and uh, uh, December 31st, he had 16 points in 21 games, and that's with a little bit of leeway uh, coming off of a pretty intense head injury. So he was doing pretty well, but in January, he's got four points in 10 games. And just overall, he just hasn't really shown anything that could really suggest that he would be able to contribute stepping in in the NHL. Um, You know, he's a volume shooter. We love all the shots that he's taking. That hasn't been an issue, but the issue has been his ability to score off those shots he's the only person in abbotsford to surpass the 100 point mark and you know a game where we don't see him get two shots on net is a rare one but we haven't seen him score goals from it so it's one of those things where he's getting a lot of shots but he just hasn't produced any points and that's not without trying Archie baines has been feeding him for weeks now and there's been a couple of kids where i he just hasn't been able to put it in the back of net so that's concerning and so i think the question if you can come in and play some low utilized minutes and you know do the old pod and thing that we're used to i think that's one thing but asking him to come in and play some top six minutes and minutes and hope to contribute to this offense is just it's a it's a little suspect in my opinion
0: sticking to the abbotsford theme how has atu performed relative to your expectations this year uh, looking at the numbers he's got 23 points in 38 games which is solid in the sense that It's the type of production that typically leads to um, a future NHL career. But given that he is 21, it's not the type of production that screams future top six or or even necessarily middle six potential. Where are you at with the season as a whole and big picture, the potential of the NHL player he could be one day?
3: Yeah, it's a great question. And also taking a little back to Pod Colson, that's the exact same thing, right? Like it's his numbers are fine, but in terms of that elite, uh, elite prospect that we're hoping for, it's just not really up to, up to snuff. And it's the same with Atu Ratu, I, there's been flashes where uh, I think it was in mid season, uh, where he was moved to the wing and he was had that line going with Max Hassan and Linus Carlson and he looked fantastic. But the issue was that he wasn't really the one driving the play. And so as much as I've liked a lot of his game, he's got really good vision. You know, he's been utilizing a lot of quick passes. He's been on the power play, which isn't really saying much for Abbotsford these days. Um, But there are there are elements that we like in his game. But I just think overall, the thing that really concerns me is his his future projectile uh, projectable center position. I just don't. His skating just really uh, concerns me, and it's more just the fact that it's gotten a lot better since last year. But he just—it still feels like he's still trying to catch up all the time. And I just, in most of the games I've seen, I find he's more productive when he's on the wing. Which I know this isn't what everyone wants to hear, but just for me, I just feel like he's been much more productive on the wing. And so I, I would, I would think that would be kind of the. The way we're going with this, but overall, I just haven't really seen anything in his game to suggest that he can hop in either this year, um next year. Who knows? But right now, I just—he's not driving plays, and he's not really scoring any 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 goals that would suggest that he could do that, especially in the top six role in the NHL. Right. Hmm.
2: Now. All right, so Archie Baines is another name. Obviously, we ask you about him every week, but Danila Klimovich, Danila Klimovich scores a couple goals. I've been reading the farm, he's Dave. Um, Daniel Klimovic scoring a couple goals what should we make of his season at this point because it feels like it's been up and down we know there is an injury Uh, what can you tell us about Daniel Klimovic
3: at this point in my opinion I just don't think you can really take too much into anything that's happened in this season it's been so tough for him you know he's been battling injuries when he's not battling injuries he's battling healthy scratches when he is in the lineup he's getting fourth line minutes even even now he's got goals in back-to-back games and he's still not getting A ton of minutes. So there's just not a lot there to really go off of anything. I think right now, as much as I hate to say it, it's just more of let's get him back on track. Let's get that confidence going. um, And just let's hope that we can have a a better second half because it's just been it's just been tough. Um, One thing that I would really like is to see him just slot in on the power play at some moment um, because Klimovich is playing his best hockey when he's not only forward checking, but when he's taking shots and he's just not really getting that chance to take a lot of shots right now. And their power play is worse in the league. And it's, it's embarrassing at this point. So at this point they should probably be trying something and I'd love to just see him get a moment up on the power play just to try to get some confidence going. Cause it's just been, it's been inconsistent to say the least.
0: Jonathan Lee has continued picking up points since uh, returning from uh, a fantastic world junior championship performance. What do you think is a realistic NHL timeline for him? I'm sort of looking at him, and in, in my initial sense, of course not knowing nearly as much as you do, is I'm sort of looking at him and going, probably best served in Abbotsford next year, but has an outside shot of of maybe doing the whole Glander thing, of maybe surprising and um, playing some NHL games, but more realistically that the year after, you've you've got a serious shot of him developing into an NHL player. What type of timeline do you expect for Le Caramacchi?
3: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, right after the World Juniors, I wrote a bit of a, a post-World Juniors piece on just what to expect. And that's pretty much my outline. I know that right now we're kind of, you know, we're, we're looking for that top six immediate uh solvent from within, but I just don't see that happening. And, i I think the realistic timeline, let's see how it goes next year. I'd said around Christmas around right now is when you can start to take a look at you know how its first first half has been, how the Canucks are looking. is it worth it? But I just don't really see the point in 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 you know trying to speed up the process at this point. he's had a really good season, but there's still so much to learn and translate over to this uh, over to the North American game. So at this point, let's get him over. let's have a good summer of development really close with the the Canucks development team get him over in Abbotsford and just see where we go in in uh, Christmas hopefully he just translates seamlessly and we have him up scoring goals at the NHL level by January next year but I just think it's more realistic to probably give him that that wiggle room
2: Dave great stuff as always thanks so much for joining us man really appreciate it
3: thanks guys have a good day
2: you as well Dave Hall okay so one really interesting thing well he said a lot of interesting things but one really interesting thing he said that I really want to focus on is this idea of making some sort of call-up where you can work from within instead of having to go out and get someone in the top six. And and really, it's just a Band-Aid fix because we know they're going to go get someone for the top six. It's not if, it's when. Maybe a Band-Aid fix is calling someone up. Really doesn't sound like there's anybody there that can go up to the top six. But the thing I've been thinking about is, okay, is Niels Hoglander an upgrade on Ilya Mikheyev or Andre Kuzmenko right now and you call up, I don't know, like an Archdeep paints, and he plays on your fourth line, and Hoaglander moves up. Like, is that how any sort of internal promotion will work? And when I think about that, the thing that I keep coming back to is just that it's not going to really move the needle very much. That's at least what I think about it.
0: Yeah. And you're moving a lot of pieces around the point I made yesterday, again, that Hoaglander's been so successful in this bottom six role. He lost track a little bit of his game. I think he had an initial strong couple of games on the miller besser line in the top six but after that that line really started to struggle defensively and it's only been since he got back to more of that consistent bottom six role that he's been able to make um <clears throat> make a terrific impact and it's part of the progression that sort of happens with the young players that you're not going to turn from a guy playing in the ahl last year like yep. hogliner was to immediately being a full-time top six yep. answer now is he the type of player that you promote if there are injuries or if next game he is for whatever reason is struggling on that line just to mix things up in game. You make that adjustment. I like that much more than as a plan, a banking on Hoaglander and the Hoaglander in the top six, and now potentially having somebody from Abbotsford up in a, in a fourth line role, especially when you are already planning to make some upgrades at the deadline. I really would like to see Baines get a shot at some point.
2: I, I love Baines. Baines has been on the show. I've talked to Baines. I've interviewed him for a few stories. He's, he's a good dude. I like our Baines and his brother, his brother on, uh, on Twitter. Does his brother ever tweet at you? I haven't seen, uh... Oh, his brother tweets at me a lot. Oh yeah. I, I, I like his brother. I love his brother. He's a great dude. Great dude. And he's all, yeah, if we, uh, okay. So I'll tell a quick story because people will remember it, but, uh, we had Arsh on the show last year, I want to say. and. Uh, His brother actually tweeted out. He didn't send it to me, but he tagged Faber and I. And he's like, this is our family group chat right now because we had a poll question of which player from Abbotsford would you like to see get a shot at the NHL level? And his dad sent to the family group chat, goes, please vote on this poll. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, please vote on this poll. Arsh is going on this show today. And his uh, his brother tweeted it out and sent it to us. And I just thought that was awesome because it's like, that's that's a, that's a lower mainland family. Like my dad would do the same that's thing terrific. if I was a pro hockey player, right? So it was just, it was awesome that uh, they were, you know, they're all Canucks fans, obviously. They were listening to the show and Arsh was a guest on the show. And I actually think his brother listens to the show. So oh yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Shout out to him if he's listening. But uh, yeah, his brother's a good dude. Always, always tweets me. And Arsh is a good dude as well. Just Arsh obviously doesn't tweet us as much <laughs> as his brother does. Let's get to anyone else.
1: In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer.
2: Presented by DoorDash. It's our listener's chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat. And it's also our listener's chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they use the promo code NATION25. That's 25% off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25. All capital letters, NATION, and the numbers 25. Offer valid in Canada, subject exchange terms do, Apply. And that double dash, I tell you. Order from multiple restaurants, stores, same delivery without any additional delivery fees. Everyone can get what they want and need. And I'll, I'll be honest. How many times... Okay, okay, this happened to me. I want something, and then my girlfriend wants something else, and we can't agree, right? We can't agree what to get delivered. And I'm like, all right, you want sushi, I want a cheeseburger. No worries. Same delivery, no additional delivery fees, because you're not going to do two... Orders with two fees. That's going to get so expensive. Same delivery. No additional fees. Amazing feature over on DoorDash. Be sure to go check it out and use promo code NATION25 if you've never used DoorDash before. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Okay, let's get to our Anyone Else segment. Uh, In the YouTube live chat, Jesse C. Jesse C., regular contributor to the show. How impressive is the pace Hunter Brustavich is on? Could he be best season since Ryan Ellis in the oh i actually regret not asking dave about bruce Devich because our weekly report blackfish over on canucks army that's where you keep track of the canucks prospects bruce hasn't slowed down man bruce is still keeping it up and he's on an absolute wagon of a kitchener rangers team and yeah it's it's very impressive it's very impressive he's without a doubt in a redraft he goes in the second round probably should have gone in the second round on draft day i think you actually said that yesterday um but, you know, there's probably going to be a case for by the end of this season, when you look at what everybody did in their draft plus one year, probably gonna be a case for him to be taken in the first round.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at statistical comps, absolutely. I haven't done a full breakdown of mm-hmm. it to see where it is, his uh, draft plus one season stack up compared to other CHL defenders, but it, it I think he's a player at this point that has an outside shot at developing into a future top four defenseman. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a long time for that to take place. Uh, you're not expecting that to happen anytime soon, but based off the comparables you're going to end up with, given his really impressive production this year, that's, that's the type of range and ceiling we're talking about at this point. This one from
2: Kamesh A. What are your thoughts on the weak second period performances by the Canucks? They come out fast and heavy in the first, but in the second, the strategy seems to be withstand the opponent's pushback. Yeah. Rick Talk has talked about this. Um, I don't think there's one answer, but last night it sure looked like the Canucks thought the second half of the first period was the start of the second period because they kind of did that where, yeah, we hit them with a lot. We didn't score, but we're going to, pull back anyway and just kind of let them have this one yeah uh, it's concerning i wish we had an answer my thoughts on it yeah it's concerning like you you want to address that at some point but again you not to make excuses but it's kind of the dog days of the season team knows they're making the playoffs team's still picking up points I don't want to say they know they're winning the Pacific, but they're in a good spot to win the Pacific now with LA and free fall with Pierre-Luc Dubois, whose number one talent is ruining locker rooms. And you've got, you know, Edmonton storming back, but they've got a long way to go. Anyways, I'm just saying that it's kind of the dog days of the season. I think you're starting to see players just slip up on the details. And I look, we like Rick Talk on this show. I think Talk is going to have it under control within a week, and it's going to be a moot point by the time we come out of the
0: All-Star break. Yeah, I don't think it's a massive concern, especially because... You look at the context of these second periods, the Canucks are almost always leading. And it's just human nature that when you go up by a goal or two, that it's tough to replicate the style that got you that lead in the first place. Because you look at why the Canucks have been successful. Other head coaches around the NHL have specifically pointed out, I believe Andrew Burnett was one. um, And then Arizona's head coach as well. Pointing out that the Canucks are one of the best teams that they've seen this year at pressuring the puck, aggressively hounding it. Well, that's a lot easier to do when it's a tie game or or you're in a situation where you're searching for offense as opposed to your, let's say, up two or three goals as the Canucks have been not obviously in the St. Louis game, but in um, in other recent games where now all of a sudden you're yeah, you're still looking to control play. You're looking to score more goals. You're not just thinking, oh, let's park the bus. But it is human nature that you're going to think a little bit more conservatively because now you have something to lose, right? Mm -hmm. When it's a tie game, you don't, yeah, you got something to lose in the sense that if you make a mistake, um, you're going to give them the lead. But it's it's a different frame of mind when you're leading. And like you said, there are other factors that, that go into it like what stage they are in the season uh, the fact that in the chicago game for example it's chicago so yep. they know that uh, we said that
2: we said that after the, after that game yeah too.
0: and i also trust that um Talkit's gonna tune yeah. them up uh especially as the competition ramps up down the stretcher they play teams like winnipeg Boston. and vegas more often i'm not too worried about it right now even though yeah it is they have had slip-ups
2: Okay, uh, Dave Hall is still in our private chat and our YouTube chat, and uh, they were trying to get my attention, him and Grady in the chat, but I didn't look up. Back to Brustavich. He said, Brustavich is very impressive. He's just 15 assists short of Ellis's total of 76 and 31 behind his 100 points, and he still has 24 games left. He might do it. Wild. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, crazy to say. Trade value's got to be very high. No, no, no. We're not starting that. We're not starting that. Uh, okay. <clears> okay. <throat> And Dave also said he'll be the best D1 defender by then. Wow. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, Dave, if you're still here, how's McWard and Hirose doing? That's a
0: question for anyone else. And we don't know the answer. Uh, I don't know the answer. I don't watch Abbotsford enough, but I'll say this. I mean, with Hirose at this point, I think he's older than, isn't he <laughs> older than Quinn Hughes? Yes. Yeah, actually, I actually want to double check this. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So, I mean, he's older at Quinn older than Quinn Hughes. And um I mean, he's pointless in 13 games. I'm assuming there's obviously been injuries. Uh but that type of profile does not I just lead want to, to say future uh NHL talent and honestly the bigger problem is just stylistically. He is an undersized defenseman who yes, he's very smart but you look at the type of player that Talkit and Foot want in their bottom 4. They want penalty killers, they want more meat and potatoes, guys who can defend the front of the net, guys who can break up the cycle. That's not Akita Hirose. Yep. McWard on the other hand is still interesting to me.
2: I like that. Dave in the chat said Hirose has been injured and spent a month in van, it's tough to give a proper outlook. That's fair. Uh but I just want to say in the offseason, I felt so bad every time I did it. But there's all these people throwing out potential defense lineups that had Akito Hirose as, like, the second pairing guy. So like, did great down the stretch. And we had, I had so many people in the game, like executives and stuff that I was talking to in the offseason, saying, like, man, Vancouver fans really need to understand how much easier those games are to play in. When a college free agent signs at the end of the year and it's garbage time for a lot of teams, like... It's hard to contextualize it, but like Vancouver fans really need to understand how little those games actually mean and why, why those guys even get those shots in the first
0: place. Right. And it's, it's just like, yeah, it's a Jack Rathbone at the end of the mm-hmm. shortened 56 game season. This is the first time it happened and I was fooled by it. So I <laughs> tried, tried to put not too much, tried not to put too much stock into Hirose's decent stretch last season was yeah. Her rathbone at that point looked pretty competent and i was thinking to myself this guy can make the nhl team next year and he did make the nhl team but i thought he'd be a player that could stick around on the third pair for a while that never materialized do
2: you remember when you came in this was when we still did the show at my grandpa's house you me favor a little round table you and i had to take that yeah in a couple years like it's not hard to believe the defense core on the left side will be Quinn Hughes, all Ulevi,
0: and Jack. No, Rathbone. no, no, yeah. Rathbone, I agreed on you levy. I blasted your take. Oh, it was my take. Yeah, you did. Your... <laughs> I, I, I never want to be known as an only levy supporter. I blasted your take. <clears throat> I remember you were like, Oh, if they lose Edler and just replace him with uh, Ulevi in the top four, I was like, Dude, that's never happened. <laughs>
2: Okay, I, I misremembered. I thought you were with me on that Don't one. Don't
0: attach me to that. Take, maybe man. Faber
2: was on it. He can't defend himself. Faber was maybe. On <laughs> take with me. Yeah, it was Faber. My bad. I misremembered. Uh, people are asking who we think is going to get the wild card spots in the West. I'm taking a look here right now as it stands. Unless they wanted me to do the East too. I mean, LA is holding it down, but if Pierre Luc Dubois succeeds in his Stop. efforts, they'll miss the playoffs
0: completely. Um, they're gonna <clears throat> LA will grab one. I'm a sure. wild card spot.
2: Like you're saying, they're not gonna win the not gonna get I mean, in the could. spot in the Pacific. No, they, they can't. You have to remember I just said Purely was on the team.
0: Okay, if we're assuming that they don't get a top three spot in the Pacific, because they will get plays for them. a wild card spot, and they'll get the first one. Mm-hmm. The second one, honestly, it's a mismatch of teams I don't really like. So honestly, it could like you got Nashville. I don't love them. St. Louis, not a huge fan. Arizona, up and coming. They have some pieces but they're still not very good. Seattle, meh, nah, Calgary. They're they're just all mediocre teams. Nashville, St. Louis, Arizona, Seattle, Calgary, and Minnesota. They're all mediocre. Really one highlights of those will make it. Really
2: highlights how badly if you're the Canucks or you're a Canucks fan, how badly you want them to win the Pacific and face one of those teams well, as opposed to Edmonton or Vegas in the first round. Well,
0: win win the West, not just the Pacific. Yes, exactly. Yeah. For like there's a huge drop off between the first wildcard team yeah and the second one, I think. Presuming, of course, that LA is the one that hangs on to the first wildcard card spot. Like I'd love a first round matchup against Nashville. Oh, yeah. St. Louis, I don't know though. St. St-, St. Louis is
2: at the Canucks number. Yeah, they're fine. Ducks are knocking on the door. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) All right.
0: Um, I I will say that Leo Carlson, I watched some tape for mm -hmm. Calder Ranking Speed. Man, he's good. I almost swore there.
2: He is really good. He is very, very good. um Are they still resting him? I know I should have. No, he came back from injury. Yeah yeah my wagon
0: ducks my wagon (laughs) ducks yeah better than Macklin Celebrini is that's (laughs) right
2: that's right uh do you want to talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois because I actually do um I want to talk about just kind of the LA Kings imploding I'll I'll go easy on the PLD takes but um Drew Doughty last night saying that you know similar to what we heard Devon Taves say in Colorado about Jonathan Drew I guess it never came out who he was talking about but he's talking about someone in Colorado um Guys playing for their individual stats and not playing as a team. LA, of course, blew their lead last night in embarrassing fashion. Um, as Tom McClellan called it embarrassing post game, yeah. right? Um, yeah, they blew their lead to the Buffalo Sabres, uh, who scored four unanswered goals in the second and third periods after LA got out to a 3-1 lead in the first period. And hey, I love Devin Levi as much as the next guy, but uh, yeah, that was not a good performance for the LA Kings, who blew the lead. And let's just take a look at the stat line here. Pierre-Luc Dubois, one goal, uh, minus one, two penalty minutes, two shots on goal, two hits, and 11 minutes and 17 seconds of ice time. Interesting. Quinton Byfield, on the other hand, had a great night. He was a real real shining light for LA. Uh, One assist, plus two, playing for the team, three shots on goal, 18 (laughs) minutes and 14 seconds of
0: ice time. But genuinely, if you're a Canucks fan, you hope that that Dubois contract hamstrings L.A. What do you mean, hopes? Well, it is. There's always a chance around.
2: Oh, yeah. We've been saying that since he was drafted. <laughs> Maybe he'll turn it around if he asks for another trade because the coach was mean to him. Maybe it'll work out this time. Oh, man. Maybe the weather isn't good enough in L.A. for him. I have, if you can't tell, folks, I have very little time for this player. Um, anyways. Also, his goals in the power play. He can't even score a 5 and 5 I'm done. I just wanted to talk about it. You just wanted to rip Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah, That's I it. Did. You didn't even want
0: to talk with the LA Kings. You but just in all seriousness,
2: to, uh... the LA Kings are kind of imploding right before our eyes. Like, something has yeah. to give. And I know the takes out of LA are like, okay, well, it's probably going to be the coach because you can't fire Pierre-Luc Dubois in season. <laughs> you can't fire players. And I use him as
0: a joke. But, like, you know, making a trade is a lot harder than firing your coach. Well, I'll say this. They've had trouble scoring lately. Mm -hmm. We know they're always going to be a stingy defensive team. I really like their blue line. They've got a lot of quality two-way forwards. But the problem with Dubois not hitting as a piece that can change the dimension of your offensive attack is you don't have enough star power. Yep. Right? Like, sure, I like Fiala. I like Kopitar. I like Kempe. Byfield's having a good year. But, you don't have an Elias Pedersen. You don't have an Nathan McKinnon. You don't have a, a Jason Robertson, like a lot of the other top teams in the West. do. You don't have your Jack Eichel, right? So that's been LA's problem. And the, the idea behind the Dubois trade was essentially, let's take a bunch of middle of the lineup pieces and try and convert it into a guy that can be a bottom of the lineup piece, a 70 to 80 point type of difference maker, right? Because Villardi, Ayafalo, Kapari—you tried to you, you tried to trade four quarters for Aluni. Mm-hmm. Essentially, Dubois unfortunately has been outproduced by both Villardi and Ayafalo, so that's uh, not going out well. And and that's a problem is they don't have enough top of the lineup scoring punch. I think Trevor Moore, who's having an outstanding year, is leading the Kings in goal scoring, which is great for Trevor Moore, but not good for the LA Kings.
2: I love how you put that. That's a, that's a nice shout out to Torts. I love that quote. That was so
0: good. Dude, that Torts quote is all time. You're talking about it. Dave Booth, right? Yeah, Booth.
2: I would need to find the quote. You keep talking about the. Do you have any takes on Pierre Luc Du Because I, I don't want to
0: talk about him anymore. Okay,
2: I gotta find. I gotta actually find the quote because I want to read it for people. This is the thing. People sometimes. Um, <clears throat> sometimes people read uh, or tweet out to me or like message me and they say like, "Hey, you guys bring this up." from way back when but we never hear uh we never hear the context right like we don't it's uh, because we're
0: the famous old timers yeah but the right. kids don't get the
2: references yeah Torts quote
0: david booth is
2: currently our best player and that's not a good thing
0: it's a good thing I, for david booth but it's not a good thing for us i love torts his comments after cutter gochier left too oh yeah where what did he say he couldn't he couldn't uh, tell Goche apart from a hole in the wall or something. It was um was outstanding. I it's too bad it didn't work out in Vancouver, but man, I love torts as uh as a coach, the way he goes after media. It's uh it's awesome theater. It is good theater.
2: <clears throat> man, Pierre Luge third Can't overall pick from
0: Dubois. Most oh my god. I mean it's better than Pugliarve at
2: four. And then you'll levy at five. Yeah although oh, i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i'm just joking but in a region real- at least only levy doesn't make eight now. <laughs> you know what okay so i should also mention this i i told you and grady today we're gonna be back on monday and tuesday next week wednesday thursday thursday friday taking our little all-star break for ourselves we'll be back on the the following monday but maybe tomorrow maybe monday maybe tuesday because the canucks don't play um maybe we do a little uh. Redraft exercise of the 2016 draft.
0: Okay, for what purposes? Under through what lens?
2: Pierre Luc Dubois sucks ass.
0: Oh, <laughs> he sucks. <laughs>
2: he's not good. Um, but like seriously, look. You look it's up and down draft that class, isn't it? It's an interesting draft because Tays Thompson goes 26. He's obviously a lot higher. Like he's higher than Pierre Luc Dubois. Yeah. So, there, like, that's probably who falls to the Canucks. I'm just looking at it right now. Okay, let's save it. Let's save let's it. Let's save it. Fun. Let's save it. It'll be an interesting exercise. We'll redraft for twenty sixteen and 2014 and
0: for for Jay. Yeah,
2: we'll do. We'll go back and do uh, <clears throat> do a lot of them. We'll do a lot and of. And Quinn them. Hughes number one, ahead of Rasmus Dahlin. Also, I just gotta say, I love Doctor Haas in the chat. Doctor Haas and Corey Anderson, loving my Pierre Luc Dubois takes absolutely fleeced. They got fleeced on that trade. Absolutely looking rough. Yeah.
0: All right. Um. By the way, I got a lot of flack in Quinn Hughes rookie season. I said that. Because Daleen had Daleen soft got into the NHL a year before mm-hmm. they're obviously part of the same draft class. Yeah, Daleen yeah. went number one. And in Quinn Hughes' rookie season, where he had established himself as a top-rated defenseman, I said, Right now, if you were to do a redraft, probably go number one. And I got a lot of flack from Buffalo Sabres fans. Hmm. I wonder what those Sabres fans are oh,
2: thinking now. Oh, Harmon, Harmon getting ready to talk his crap. I like it. I like it. We'll do a lot of redrafts. I think that'll be a good summer activity for us is yeah. redrafting uh, these ones. But we'll start with 2016, either tomorrow or next week. We'll go through it. Let's get to our Betway bet of the day, brought to you by our friends over at Betway. Also, loving this in the chat. A lot of people in the chat. Canucks Army needs to send Dave Hall a proper camera and mic. We're working on it, folks. We're working <laughs> on it. It's, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Uh, also, shout out to Chris. Chris said, uh, just want to say, great job, guys. Enjoy listening to the podcast every day on the way home from work. Chris, thank you. We uh, appreciate you listening. Really, really appreciate you uh listening. All right, let's get to our Betway bet of the day. Brought to you by our friends over at Betway. Pierre-Luc Dubois to finish the season with the LA Kings. At... <laughs> no, it's a Patrick Demko-Vesna bet again, because the odds have changed. I brought up a few weeks ago when I pulled this one up that Demko was the favorite. Connor Hellebuck is currently the favorite, and kind of like I alluded to the other day, it's a two-horse race. Jeremy Swayman has the next best odds at like plus eight hundred or something like that. Thatcher Demko cool. at plus two seventy-five odds to win the Vesna Trophy this year. A ten-dollar bet over at Betway will turn you thirty-seven dollars and fifty cents. Must be nineteen plus play. If you choose to play, please play
0: responsibly. Oh yeah, by the way, it's supposed to be P. L. Dubois now. What? Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed, but it it caught me off guard. But every outlet. Is mostly referring to him as PL Dubuono. Apparently he doesn't like Pierre Luke.
2: Oh, that's good news. I'm gonna 100 percent keep calling him <laughs> Pierre Luke.
0: <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm joking.
2: It's oh it's like JG Pageot. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, fine. He wants PL. PL to so, so give him his PL. Come on. <laughs> PL. What a what a diva. What a whiner. Oh my gosh. Anyways, I I I can't think of anything that sums up at least don't make fun of his name. I'm not making I'm not making fun of his name. I'm making fun of I hate my coach. I hate this city. No, I hate this coach. I hate this city. No, I just need to change the scenery. No, I just need to change the scenery. And now it's PL. Well, he made the choice before the season. He's a changed man in LA, apparently. All
1: right.
0: Whatever.
2: You gotta score 30 goals to be able to change your name. (laughs) Anyways. We'll close it out there. For my co-host, Harmon Dial, our technical producer, Grady Sass, and our intern, Lachlan Irvin, my name is Dave Wojelli. Thank you. Sorry, wait, stop, stop, stop the outro. Hi, David, in the YouTube live chat. More like P-U Dubois. Okay, that was terrible. You really stopped the outro for that? Of course I stopped the outro for that. Dave Wojelli, Harmon Dial, closing it out. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads. Every weekday at 2 p.m. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it
0: out on your favorite podcast catcher
3: app.